For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, May 18th, 2019. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...more essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed in the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street... Too big to fail... Growing the economy... Growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Monito. Monito. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Atlanta's longest-running, most respected show, money show Did on radio. Did you say radio. fam? Uh, of course. Oh. Aren't, I mean, you're part of the fam, right? <laughs> I didn't oh, know if you were talking to us or the listeners. I'm talking to the it. listeners, oh. but you're part of it, too. I am. Well, I mean, here, here I I'm am. trying to be a hipster, and you're just, just ruining everything. You're like the... <laughs> The, the, the dorky big brother or something. I'm the, the hipster doofus. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm trying for. I I can't Perfect. quite grow a man bun yet, but when I can grow a man bun, oh, I'm going to buy a no. Jeep, put a jack on top of it, start oh, riding no. a lime. I'm going to be everywhere. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyway. Is that going to be a good to have financial ladies. Jeep? Well, of course. But see, you can sit through the company. It's good to have two ladies. Maybe maybe y'all can tell me some of the female things that go on with uh, with. Um, Millennials, millennials, and uh, and hipsters. I mean, I don't know. Well, how how do you identify? Ugh. Come on, Melanie. You get, I mean, you get I'm it. not a millennial. I'm technically a millennial, but I'm an old millennial. Yeah, your grandma millennial. Yeah, I called Casey Grandpa millennial. Well, I think him and Jared both. He does both. have gray hair. Well, yeah, um, some of us do. <laughs> you know, but uh, I didn't know. You know, back in the '80s when I was uh, 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 a lot more hip than I am today. Uh, the women had this thing. They'd grow their hair out on the front of their head, and it'd be like a claw. You don't remember seeing <laughs> pictures claw? of these? I mean, I had like the, you know, the, the wave when you had the, the poof thing over and you sprayed yeah, it. Yeah, that was part of it. But, I, you know, I think that was a, a generation or a few years after the, you know, the three spikes you'd see off every female's three forehead. three spikes. Is that like Pat Benatar kind of stuff? Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I mean, Pat Benatar was, yeah, she was, she was very hip when I was hip. <laughs> I thought you were still hip, though. Uh, I'm working on it. Okay. I'm working on it, okay. just to be clear. Okay. All right, so the voices you've heard in the background that I have yet to introduce. My name is Troy Harmon. I'm the host of the show today. Um, this is uh, Shauna Theriault. Good to have you on. Yes. And uh, Melanie Wells. Yep, thank you. Hey, Melanie. So uh, both of you are financial planners at heart. Um, both hold the CFP designation. Shauna, you also have the CPA and the CDFA, That's which correct. is... Uh, kind of an advisor for uh, individuals going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some of that to talk about today, and um, and we'll get to that in a bit. Um, otherwise, Melanie, do you have your CFP, right? I do. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Good deal. So uh, we have a financial analyst, two financial planners, and uh, we can answer your questions. We it's uh, going to be a riot. All, uh, it's always so a riot. Fun. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we always. Uh, Enjoy answering listener questions, but uh, let's get to the business at hand. Markets up 
for the week. If you listened last week, you know when we end the show, we always ask, you know, market up or down. Sometimes people go astray, but I never do. I always say the market will be up this week. So uh, gained uh, 0.34%, not a huge gain, but um, if you look, real estate uh, led the pack 2.91% gain, utilities 2.5%. Uh, consumer staples two and a quarter. Look at the bottom end of the spectrum, financials. What you usually find, financials losing, utilities winning, we've probably had a move in some interest rates. Mm -hmm. That's usually what it says. If I can look at uh, performance numbers and see that pattern, that's usually what I look for. We have had a few changes in uh, interest rates, and um, <clears throat> usually when interest rates fall, utilities gain, and that's pretty much what we saw. The two-year Treasury fell six basis points to 2.2%. Uh, the five-year Treasury fell, again, six basis points to 2.18, very flat, 2.2 to 2.18 between the two and the five. Uh, the 10-year at 2.4, we saw it as low as 2.34 this week, uh, so it's rebounded just a bit. Uh, the 30-year fell a few basis points to 2.84. That's been pretty steady over the last... Uh, few months, and, you know, I talk about this quite a bit. The the shape of the yield curve right now is really weird. Um, I was going to say, because they, they stopped raising interest rates, and then, right. you know, it shifted, and now it's, do, it's shifting back. And, and so if the, the two-year Treasury is falling faster than the 10-year Treasury, then that signals that it's cor correcting back not into it, inverse uh, yield curve, right? right and and, yeah. and I, know, I know it crossed for a moment. But right. it looks like it's going the opposite direction now. Yeah, we did have an inversion, and we still have kind of an inversion. If you look at the uh, the three-month Treasury uh, at 2.386% yield, and then you look at um, the one-year, two-year, three-year, five-year, seven-year, all of those have a yield lower than uh, okay. the three-month and the six-month. The six-month's actually kind of the high spot on that low end at 2.415%. Um, and and what this says is, in order for us to get to that 10-year yield at 2.39, 2.4, say, um, we're probably going to have some rough patches along the way. That's what the market is indicating. In fact, if you look at um, at the uh, probability for uh, yield, uh, well, rate cuts. Right. Uh, the Fed rate cuts. You can there. We have a tool that shows us kind of what the market's thinking. The implied uh, probability of a rate cut is over 50% for January. by September now September, of this year, of okay. 2019. Yeah. Wow. Shawna, you were ab absolutely right. About two weeks ago, we were just looking at January uh, where really? it popped over. Now January is over 70% chance of a rate cut, according to our options market. So um, that being the case, it, do, you really think, uh, do you really think you're going to cut rates, though? I really do believe that we, as as much as the Fed has talked about being accommodative, meaning that uh, they're going to try to hammer growth, they're going to try to make the the market grow. Um, you know, they talked about their two percent target uh, on inflation. Inflation is basically a byproduct of growth. When you see growth, inflation follows. Uh, where we would expect to see inflation really right now is probably in the uh, labor market as tight as the labor market is with a 3.7% right. unemployment, but we're really not seeing a whole lot of that push the needle. So, you know, the, the true kind of growth we want is is um, economic growth that, that makes us all wealthier, makes 
you know, while prices might go up, we all tend to have better things. Now, we have seen some of that in the employment market where it grew by like 3.1 percent in the last few months and uh, inflation uh, was not up as much. So that's a, a real gain for uh, workers in, in our economy. So, so what do you? So investors, then, if you think rates could be cut, which seems premature to me, since we were just doing rate hikes last year, December. It's you know that's the last one when this all started, and then the market started going down. It just seems premature to say, okay, now we're going to cut them. But if they're going to cut it, shouldn't we go ahead and lock in some rates out a little bit? Uh, well, yeah, five, six, seven years, maybe. Yeah, what you see, what what's the the best move? A lot of old, um, aged investors, experienced investors do, is they'll buy on the treasury, uh, ten to twenty years or further out uh, the maturity curve. So, um, you know, when you do that, uh, if rates do fall, what happens to prices? They go up. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at what happened probably 2008 and nine, while the S and P 500 was down 52 percent. Uh, the 20-plus year Treasury was up over 16% during that same period. Wow. So uh, it, it is a good way to kind of hedge against uh, the potential of a decline. Um, I will tell you we've got a model down in our research department at Hensler Financial that tells us right now, you know, the the um, we, we kind of run it for a five- to eight-week lag so that mm-hmm. we don't get any um, – it cuts out the noise, those those uh, false positives, if you will. Uh, and it's not really showing us that right now. And what we use is a real earnings yield as well as uh, uh, the yield curve, which right now is inverted in, in the belly, right. uh, but not the classic two-year lower or higher than the 10-year treasury yield. Right. Uh, so the classic sign is not there. Um, and the the uh, real earnings yield is kind of a valuation measure. Think of the PE upside down, so earnings divided by price uh, minus inflation is the real earnings yield. Uh, when that gets below two percent, then we start seeing signs uh, in historically that uh, that a recession might be on the way. The other piece is unemployment, right. and uh, when it's but at three point seven percent, things are good. What we look for there is movement in the other direction. So when it right. starts it starts deteriorating a bit, and it hasn't done so. I mean, we got some numbers out this week. It's something we get every week. Um, but uh, you know, all things considered, it's moved a little in the wrong direction. You know, gaining some, but but nothing to cause nothing that I would worry about. You know, there's uh, in a weekly report, which that is, you get a lot of noise. I usually like to look at the, um, at at the uh, four week moving average. It did increase by 1500 to 1.668 billion. So you think about that, that's a tiny move. 1500 relative to 1.7 billion, call it or million rather. Um, It's, it's, uh, it's insignificant. Right. So, um, not really much worry. I would still encourage investors to say uh, with their long-term strategy, which m- most folks are saying equities, right. uh, unless you have known spending needs within the next 10 years, which is kind of the basis for our 10-year rule. Exactly. So, um, anyway, all that said, we did get some information out this week. Uh, biggest piece, CPI, uh, Consumer Price Index, which is an inflation measure, rose, but only by 0.1%. It's 2% in April, 2.1, right on top of the Fed's target rate. So, uh, you know, all things considered, 
not really a whole lot to worry about, although, you know, I've said it before, it feels like we're playing king of the hill. Uh, when you're playing king of the hill and you're at the top of the hill, what happens? There's only one direction to go, right? And that's down. All right, we're going to take a real quick break. When we get back, we'll have a dog of the week, so stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. You ain't everybody hound dog. This is the dog. The dog of the week. The dog of the week this week. Move over Starbucks. We've got a new champion in town. Just when you thought that it was cool to pay five bucks a cup for coffee, we've got this company in California called Clatch Coffee. Clatch. Clatch Coffee. They have got the new high-priced coffee in town. Would anyone care to guess just how much a cup of coffee could actually cost you? You said California. California. Oh, well, that's not surprising. I guess not, but let's multiply that five bucks by about 15. Oh, come on. $75 cup of coffee. No. That they justify. Do they have a gold grounds or something? Mm-mm, no, not it's not go- one of those. You know, we've seen some of those where, you know, there'll be like gold uh, lame or whatever right. that you lay on top of the of a fondant on a cake or something. Right. That, that's not this. I mean, that would be worth $75. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't pay $75 for a glass of wine, much no. less a cup of it's coffee. It's funny you bring that up because that's what they're trying to tie it oh, to geez. is these, these wines that are so expensive. So... Here's the story. Uh, Alida Natural Geisha 803 is what they're calling it. The 803 in the, in the name is how much the coffee costs them per pound to purchase. It is, uh, it is the winner this year of the uh, Best of Panama Coffee Competition, which they characterize as being kind of the, um, uh, the, the Emmy Awards of coffee. Uh, it but still is just coffee, right? It is just coffee. But, it, you know, the folks that have tasted it come out and say, well, I thought it was going to be, uh, you know, hyper pretentious. But then, you know, when I started drinking it, I just focused on the coffee. Maybe it's something more. It sounds like an, an emotional, spiritual experience to wow. me. That better be the best cup of coffee you've I, ever had. Yeah, well, if somebody's buying $75 cup of coffee, they need to be our client. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if they'd have enough money (laughs) to be our client. They're spending it all, so they got nothing to invest with. Crazy. That's true. Uh, But what they say is only 10 pounds of this coffee. They they sold 100 pounds in the auction. So I just pulled up it on the internet, and you see the picture. It's a teeny tiny tiny cup of coffee. Yes, like an espresso almost. It's like an ounce espresso. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, seventy-five dollars. And and they bought. They bought. That's like an espresso shot. They bought one tenth of the total that was sold. There were a hundred pounds of this coffee sold. Uh, So the only coffee in the U.S. from that uh, winning bean is uh, is theirs, and uh, they're going to make. 40 cups in San Francisco and 40 cups uh, in their Southern California uh, location. If you do the math, think about this. $803 times 10 pounds is $8,030. You divide that by 80, it's 100 bucks. At $75, they're losing 25 bucks. That's pretty bad. 
Now, the you one can't thing charge I will 100. say. Yeah. You I, can't charge 100 for coffee. That's outrageous. You can't outrageous. charge $75 for coffee. I, Nobody, yeah. who I am not going to buy it. people that buy it. Exactly. Whoever sold it to them is laughing. So they had this. It, it sounds to me like they're using it as marketing. And hey, guess what? Yeah, we're talking, talking about, about it. We're talking about it. We're talking it about it on the, yeah, yeah. On the radio. So we go. this might be the $2,000 that's missing hmm. in their uh in their in their marketing eight thousand dollars yeah is precisely that's what i would call it hmm. because they used it some of it they were given free taste tests to certain oh. elite clients oh well, how do you have to be in the a, money if they're already much, losing yeah I, how much coffee do you have to actually drink at a place before the they elite. consider you one of their elite customers i don't know More i don't know i don't know i don't i mean i drink a lot of coffee but it's usually the old cheap stuff Make mine decaf, please, and I'll drink two cups a day, and that's it. But, uh, you know, I'm not really a snob. Um, well, I mean, you are, but yeah, not I mean, about coffee. I'm a, I'm a hipster doofus. That's what I'm going for here. <laughs> not so much the snob. Uh, I'm, I'm an approachable guy, you know. I, I don't have the pretentious coffee. But anyway, I thought that it was very rare and very strange. And then when I started doing the math and found out, at seventy-five bucks, they're still losing twenty-five bucks a cup. <laughs> Pretty bad. Holy cow! Don't make me any. Thanks. Makes you just yeah. want to try some now, just because. I, I mean, you know, if unless it's that it makes good. you but you is drink it. That good? it I don't, uh, how could it be? I mean, if I drink this stuff and rainbows come out my ears, <laughs> then it's worth it. I, I would be okay. I'll with pay seventy. I would pay. I'd pay a hundred dollars. See me drink that, so I can have see yours. Rainbows out of your ears. Yeah. So twenty-five for me. You two chip in twenty-five. I'll drink the coffee. We'll see what happens. Put <laughs> it on the internet. You got to figure oh, out how to do one. Put it on the internet. We could. We could do a YouTube on that. Oh that yeah. Would be amazing. I'm, I'm saying viral already. I mean, rainbows out your ears. That's amazing. That's some good coffee. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> back to what we actually are purported to be professionals. We did some about. math in there. We did financial math. We did. We did. Yeah, no doubt. I always like to make it something. I mean, it's always a marketing story or you know whatever, unless it's just an alligator ate a person in the golf course, which those aren't. I look aren't forward to fun. these dogs of the week. It's yeah, kind. That's. I mean, I try to make it interesting. All right, so we do have a situation we wanted to talk about this week, and uh, it is our goal to talk about uh, financial situations every week and answer your questions. So let's get to this one. Uh, Delphine and Carlo own a $3.7 million professional services business. Unfortunately, they're getting a divorce, and uh, Carlo wants to bring in a new business partner to buy out Delphine's interest. Uh, currently, Delphine is a passive partner in the business, so she's not actively working in the business, but the couple has grown the business more than four times its original size since they were married. Uh, Carlo is the face of the company, the one with the reputation, skills, and, and of course, he is the active partner. Uh, his goodwill makes the company. I've uh, seen that case argued before. Uh, they both want a divorce to be equitable, but they disagree on the value of the company, and quite often this is what we see on our value, uh, business valuation practice. Um, but, Shauna, this is, this is kind of where that... Uh, CDFA comes in, right? Yeah. So that you can make sure that uh, one party or the other, whomever it is that would hire you as a counselor, uh, would go into that. And by the way, I mentioned counselor. This is all professional financial advice. Remember that you probably need an attorney in the oh, middle absolutely. of anything that's uh, that's going to be corporate related like or divorce for sure. And, and quite often, you can find a good divorce attorney that actually has dealt with uh, situations such as this. So. Um, you know, when it boils right down to it, I can talk all day about business valuation and how they are done. Uh, 
quite a bit of this is, um, uh, you know, more, more often than not, when I start into an engagement like this, it's, well, just tell me what the multiple of EBITDA is, and, and I'll go and figure this out. Well, well no, because you have to think of things like goodwill. You have to think about all of those things, and right. all of, there has to be an equitable split. In Georgia, it's an equitable split. You know, it has to be split between the two of them, right. um, even if one did more than the other, because if it's property that was, you know, gained or created during an in, or income and property that was during a marriage, it's considered marital, pro- marital property, and it has to be split. Right. So... You have to find a way to do that. And if you have a disagreement on the value, that is, that's a huge disagreement. Right. So you definitely need a business valuation. You definitely need an attorney involved and potentially a CDFA, you know, just to look at the numbers to make sure that the numbers do work. Sure. And, and you need to consider taxes, too, because Absolutely. quite often when you have a transaction, you're forced into a taxable situation. You just gained, you just realized the gain from your portion of the property. And now instead of, uh, you know, say a million bucks... Uh, you got 700000 because the tax took a big chunk out of it. Is that fair and equitable? Oh, absolutely. Just because you right. were forced into the divorce. Right. So, uh, you know, those are all, all aspects. And like I say, you know, the, the question I get asked more often is just give me this multiple. Well, I've never met a business owner that believes that their business is average, and quite often they're not. Um, you know, so if you've got a business that's growing 3 to 5% per year, Probably so, but these guys have not been married all that long. They've grown the business four times. Right. That's a pretty significant growth engine right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. So uh, I wouldn't expect that you would find a market-related uh, transaction that would really capture the growth within this business. And if that be the case, then you would use something more like a, an income-based valuation, which takes into account how the business has grown over the past. Right. Then you create a pro forma to project that growth into the future, ultimately coming over a 10-year span to probably a, a GDP, uh, basic e- economic growth kind of number, somewhere between 35 to 5.5%. And then you start applying those factors that, uh, that they're talking about. Um, and, and then there's another one, the asset-based valuation. When we're talking about this, the bank, whom uh, one of the parties is going to have to deal with, probably Carlos, since he's the buyer, the bank is not going to be real chipper to loan you money on goodwill. Right. They like to loan against something hard. Tangible. A tangible asset. What is a tangible asset? Us in the accounting world often say something you can kick. Right. So if it's not a hard asset, the bank don't really care much about it. Now, you could go and get a... uh, uh, you could go get a small business uh, administration SBA, loan, SBA and loan. they will cover some uh, some loans. They'll they'll back some loans for uh, those intangible goodwill type assets. But the bank by itself is not going to do that for you. Right. So um, all these things are are considerations that you must uh, take into account when you're going into a, a transaction. Uh, and if it's a divorce, it, there's even more to the story. And the partner that's usually the passive one is the one that more often than not gets taken advantage of or at least doesn't know the questions to ask. Right. That's when you want to call Shauna. Right. And that number is 770-429-9166, and she can step you through everything you'd ever want to know about how to, uh, how to make sure that you're covered in a, in a uh, divorce proceeding, especially where it considers uh, valuation of a business, a, a large asset that's not liquid like that. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we have a good team behind us. We've got exit planners like uh, 
Casey and, and uh, Nick Antonucci and, um, you know, business valuation folks like me, Nick does that as well. And uh, Shauna on top of that, I mean, we've got a crew that can, can help you if this is a situation that you're in. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we will answer some of your financial questions. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Shauna Theriault and Melanie Wells, and uh, we've talked a little about uh, a business transaction in the middle of a divorce. Uh, we've talked about coffee that's too expensive. If uh, you would like to have your questions answered on the air, we'd love to hear from you. That's kind of why we do this. Um, you can reach us on our question hotline at one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. The way this works, you call in, um, you'll get our recording, you leave your question and whatever else you'd like to leave on there. Uh, we will play your question back on the air and uh, provide our answer right behind it. Now, if you prefer to talk to a human being, you can call us at 770-429-9166. You can ask for our radio show producer, Kelly Lynn. Kelly Lynn will get us our question, and uh, we will answer that again on the air for you. Now, if you don't like to talk to people at all, don't want to pick up the phone, you can email us. Of course, you could email us from your phone, so maybe you That's have to pick it up. That's all millennials do. Exactly, yeah. Well, I'm hipster enough to even know that. <laughs> we don't use phones. We just use them to text. Right. So uh, our email address is drgene at hensler.com d-r-g-e-n-e at h-e-n-s-s-l-e-r.com uh, you can also go to our website which is hensler.com spelled in the same way h-e-n-s-s-l-e-r and uh, you can find some of the answers you might have uh, to your questions without asking us a thing uh, we do have some of the more broad topics if it's very specific you'll want to probably contact us um, but that is how you find us, and we're also on social media, so if you want to contact us that way, you can do so. All right, so um, we've got uh, a few questions we wanted to go to from our listeners. Today we've got uh, Robin from Woodstock, and Robin writes, How do I generate earned income for my one-year-old child so that I can legally contribute to an IRA for them? Well, that's quite a concept. I thought child labor was against the law. <laughs> I mean, you can get your two-year-old to go push a lawnmower, right? Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Hey, this is my son, three toes. <laughs> <laughs> three toes. No. Nope. Yeah. Uh, That's anyway. funny, though. I actually had a client ask me the same question this week. He just started his new business and has a daughter who's about two and a half, and he wants to hire her as a model, like a child model, to take photos of her for his website and his marketing materials and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He was like, does this, you know, count as earned income so I can do an IRA for her? And that's the key, and, right? Yeah. Earned income is the key. They have to work in some capacity in order to earn 
money to put in an IRA. And it has to be legitimate work. Right. For reasonable wages. You can't pay you can't pay that model a thousand dollars an hour. It has to be yeah, the kind of market rate for whatever the job is. So. And then you can find that market rate probably on what, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, I would imagine, would be a good guide. Probably. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good public Googling, I don't know. Maybe contact a few I agencies. I bet the Gerber or, baby made a lot yeah. more than oh, that yeah. though. Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> that picture looks yeah. like it's from the twenties. It, right. it is from the twenties, isn't it? The other twenties. Nineteen twenties. Not not the next other year. 20s, so. And beyond. Gosh, that is so hard to believe. Yeah, isn't it? We're almost there. It sounds like very Ugh. futuristic, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it's next year, all the way into next year. Anyway, that is that is a legitimate it uh, is. strategy. Absolutely. I, I know that uh, the the legal labor uh, abilities for a one or two year old child might be difficult, but if you were going to take their picture and put it on your website, sure. Uh, you know that's that's legitimate. If they have to sit there and look pretty, I'm. Guess that they're earning it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, legitimate models get paid, so why can't a model be a one-year-old child? It's legitimate for some of us. I don't think that I could sit and look pretty. <laughs> I believe I would struggle with that. <laughs> you have to pay people to. No. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I'm more like the uh, the guy that's going to be sitting on the dunk tank. No, oh, yeah. Oh, that would be fun. We should do that. Wow, that would be great. Now she's trying to. Also be, that's, I, that I say it as a joke. Summer. Thing to do this summer. Shauna takes after me. And just wants to. We could put it on. We could put cause it viral. Me bodily harm. We could put it viral on the Facebook yeah. page. Only you if I get dunked. to wear swimmies. I gotta <laughs> have the. Oh, I gotta have Oh gosh, that would even yeah. be funnier. See, that, we could course. pay have you to for do this, that. and then it's earned income. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But I am a little older than one year old. That's true. So. I well, know. I would say to Robin too, if she did that, you know, if you do that, then I would suggest setting up a custodial Roth IRA. Yeah, and putting the money there and saving it there because it grows tax-free. You don't forever, you know, forever, and yeah. and you know depending on what the income of the child is, it's probably not going to be that much if it's you know. So the tax is going to be low, right? Dollars. Exactly. So it's not even worth the tax deduction, if any, because you still get the standard deduction. So you know you could put some of the money in the Roth and allow it to grow tax-free. Yeah. So, and so it would be a custodial Roth IRA because that child could not sign yet. Yeah, not until they're 18, right? Exactly. Yeah, the age of consent, exactly. is that what it is? Absolutely. See? Age of majority. Majority, mm-hmm. that's it. And actually in Georgia, it's 21. It defaults to 21, but they can set up an account when they're 18. But if you have a custodial account, it does not get released until age 21 unless you specify otherwise. Wow. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's too is good information. Right, absolutely. Know, even if you just have a regular custodial, custodial account. account. Right. All right. Well, uh, good answer, guys. Uh, appreciate that. Um so uh, we got another one here, James from Atlanta. So I came across an article, blue chip stocks that will lose you money. Uh, there's plenty of those around. Uh, yes, I know it's a sensational headline, but I own at least three of them. Oracle, Gilead, Sci- Gilead Sciences, and Lowe's companies. Do I need to sell or am I losing money compared to some other high flyer? Uh, I want to be in my stock for the long haul. So here's the thing. If you find a stock that's out of favor, no matter what it is, Generally, they're going to have a valuation that's a bit more attractive than others. The thing you want to make sure of is that you're not buying into something that is a value trap. I believe that uh, Oracle has recently, you know, we had, I've even had clients filter questions to me about uh, about Oracle. You know, um, Warren Buffett says he doesn't understand the way Oracle makes money. Well, it's somewhat easy to figure out. Most everybody in technology, Oracle included, is making money on uh, the cloud these days. 
many of their their uh, devices and software uh, are aimed at uh, maybe a smaller, like a uh, cloud for a specific business. Uh, they they have uh, subscription models. It is a, a very good, legitimate business. I do recommend it. Um, you know, if you look at uh, the three-year growth in revenues, 32.2%, that's not too bad. You look at uh, earnings growth over the last five years, 656 Where it all shakes out, though, is the analysts are kind of on the stock saying that it's probably going to contract. Earnings are going to contract by 1.5% over the next three to five years. Um, I'll be honest with you, the way that uh, the way that they're looking right now, I'm a fan of Oracle. I wouldn't worry about that one. Um, the other one is Gilead. Uh, Gilead had the the misfortune of uh, curing hepatitis C, and why I say that is, when when a uh, healthcare company actually cures a disease, it dampens their future prospects. Oh, and Gilead just did that. So, uh, you know, you see the commercials all over television nowadays. I think it's like a 12-week uh, dosage process, and you are totally cured from Hep C. Uh, that being the case, well, that's they, exciting. It really is. It's awesome that's stuff. Great. You know, it's uh, it's probably the first of of uh, one of the major diseases you see out there that I've seen in my career where it was cured by one of these healthcare companies. So that's great. Uh, it is great news for humanity. Not so much for the investors behind it, but what I think we'll we'll see is uh, you know they'll continue to build their pipeline. I again am a am a huge fan there. Uh, the other stock that you said you held was Lowe's. Um, I don't currently recommend Lowe's, although it does meet our criteria for investment based on uh, financial strength and safety. Uh, the thing that I would say is you know there's another company in town that is a direct competitor with Lowe's, none other than Home Depot. Um, when you look uh, at Lowe's versus Home Depot, Lowe's does look cheaper, um, and it also has lower debt. Now, you know, you look at the debt to equity numbers on on the Lowe's, 445.2 percent. Um, that's a pretty tough pill to swallow. You look at debt to assets, it's about 47 percent. So, half of their assets are are uh, covered in debt. Um, you know, I I just really think it's probably not the best time to be investing in in those uh, those home stores. Really, more based on where I believe we are within the uh, economic cycle. And by the way, the economic cycle is not dead. We didn't no. fix that. We will have another recession at some point in the future. It's been 10 years, quite a long run. But in reality, it's uh, you know we're we're we didn't fix that yet. The Fed is uh, maybe consumer is staples. Yeah, oh, I would love consumer staples. If, you, right. if you're going to do that, I would say, you know, of the three that you're talking about, I'd probably sell Lowe's and find me a good consumer staple company. Maybe Procter & Gamble right. uh, is, is a great choice. Absolutely. Um, you know, but they all look, uh, they all look somewhat um, attractive at this point. All right, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll answer more financial questions. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. Too fast to prepare for this. Tripping in the world could be dangerous. Everybody circling this vulture. For all your financial needs, this is Money Talks. 
Anybody that doesn't believe that I'm a millennial can listen to the music we got this week, and they have to question it at least. I mean, <laughs> right? I'm pretty sure Kelly Lynn just said this was her music. Uh, yeah, but I'm playing. <laughs> she doesn't speak. This is me. It's the me show starring me. It's me. Me, me, me. Yeah. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Shauna Theriault and Melanie Wells. And yes, Kelly Lynn is standing by. She is our producer, and she does a great job of taking care of the show, making sure that it gets on, and uh, I mean, always and makes cutting it you off when you're long-winded. Not oh, that you ever I mean, are. She she Never. usually edits that out when I'm not looking, and have no say in it. Uh, it's kind of probably what my wife does. Only you know, she she does it while I'm sitting there looking at her. Like uh, no no no, none of this matters to me. Shut up. It's one of those kind of things. Anyway, uh, we've got a few more financial questions, and we would like to answer, actually get a two-in-one here. Uh, Darren from Morrow says, uh, or asks, what's the difference between a direct and an indirect rollover? Aiden from Dallas asks a similar question, or at least related, uh, do I need a financial advisor to manage my 401k rollover? So, you guys being the financial planners should surely have an awesome answer to the direct versus indirect as far as the advisor. Of course, it's always going to be yes. You're asking a financial advisor if you need a financial advisor. I mean, wh who would say no to that? Right. Anyway, we can expand on that, but uh, you guys got a, an answer as to the direct versus indirect? We do. So really the difference is, if you are paying, or not paying, but rolling over the amount from your employer plan, 401k, 403b, whatever it is, directly to another institution, or if they are writing the check out to you first and then you are taking it to the financial institution. So most plans will offer an option to do it directly, and really that's the best way to do it. There's no question of that money coming to you or if it's going to be taxable, if you can make it within the 60-day rollover window, um, doing it directly is the ideal way to do it. Well, and also, some of the plans mandate that if you take it, even if you intend on rolling it over, they withhold 20% automatically. Right. For tax. Right. Yeah. For federal tax. So if you take it in hand, they may withhold that 20%. You know, then you have to roll it over. So uh, it's better to ask that question if they do that, because most plans do the withholding if you take it directly. Mm -hmm. um, so it's better to roll it directly. Now, they can mail you the check made payable to that new custodian or wherever your IRA is. Um, so they can send it to you, but we recommend having it made payable directly to right. the institution. You don't want it made payable to yourself. Right, because really the then that's big the, the big taxable question comes right. in. Right. And it's not only the tax, but there's a penalty on that as well if right. you're taking mm -hmm. your money. So the process kind of works. What, what do you do you open the account first at whatever right. custodian you're going to have? Exactly. So you open a four you open a 401k rollover or IRA IRA rollover, rollover. and and then you tell them where the money's going to be coming from. Exactly. And quite often the custodian will handle everything else, right? Well, a lot of time for, for plan rollovers, um, many times the, the custodian can help from the receiving firm, but many times you have to go directly to your old employer because they have their own internal forms that they fill out to either show you're retired or terminated, whatever, et cetera. And then, you know, then they work with a financial institution to roll it over. All right. So there's usually forms you fill out to give to your current employer and where it's currently held. All right. So we answered the question, direct is best, so you don't right. have any questions from the, from the IRS. Right. The next question is, do I need an advisor for my 401K? So really what we need to talk about is how different 
the 401k rollover or IRA rollover is from a 401k. I, I mean, it, it is different because usually in a 401k, you only have limited investment options. You have right. a fund lineup or something like that. And those are determined by your employer usually right. uh, and maybe right. even an investment advisor that's in, involved in the process. And of them. I mean, I've seen as low as two or three options mm-hmm. and up to maybe 20 or so. But right. I mean, compared to the options that you would have outside of a 401k. Kind of the sky's the limit right. with, a, with an IRA rollover. So you can buy individual stocks. You could keep those mutual funds if you really like them. You could buy exchange-traded funds. You can buy bonds, mm-hmm. individual right. bonds. Which, you know, nine, in a rising interest rate environment, bond values are going to go down. And so, what, which we have had a rising interest rate environment. Now we're possibly talking about decline. But sure. um, at any rate, you know, I wouldn't want to be in bond funds right now. No, not bond funds. I, and that's what I you totally mean in a 401k. Absolutely. If, you, right. if this is your 10-year money that you're going to live off of if you're getting close to retirement, you know, if bond funds is the only option in the 401k, then that's all you have. And some of them are okay if the duration is short enough, meaning how far out the manager is going. And also sensitivity to the interest rate changes. Exactly. Duration ties into that. Exactly. But if you have the option of rolling it out and putting in an IRA and managing it on your own, then you can really control the quality better. You can control... Um, you know, have more control over your funds. Right. Um, and and then definitely seek an advisor to help you with that. Yeah, you can, you can, I mean. Because now you're opening, you're, you're opening the windows to thousands of different investments and, and trying to get through all that is, is difficult. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still going to be, you know, no tax consequences until you take right. the money out. Both right. of them are going right. to be the same there. Uh, still going to have the penalty if you take it before 59 and a half, right. mm-hmm. before your age 59 and a half. Uh, so they're similar in some ways, but really the big aspect that makes the, the rollover IRA different is the flexibility for the investments within the, within the fund itself. You can buy so much more and, and not have to worry so much about, you know, what you've got um, uh, what you've got as far as a, a mutual fund. And to Melanie's point, you know, you do see those 401k plans that have three or four uh, options. You see those that have 10 or 15. The the true mandate for the trustee of those 401ks is to make sure that the participants have enough investment options to become diversified. And they're a fiduciary to do that. They are. That's That's their fiduciary duty. Mm-hmm. They really don't have the leeway in most cases to give you investment advice. Right. Uh, they can't and they usually seek an advisor for that. To help. Exactly. Or at least some resource within the, the, the platform that they use. The question we get a lot is, well, since IRAs are so much better or sound so much better, can I do it now even still working? Um, you know, we get that question a lot, mm-hmm. don't we, Melanie? And possibly. So typically you can't unless you have a separation of service of some sort, but there are some plans that allow for in-service distributions after a certain age where it allows you maybe once, sometimes indefinitely, to do an in-service distribution and roll a portion out to the IRA. Mm -hmm. So if you're nearing retirement, um, usually there's an age limit to that or an age start, I believe 50 off the top of my head. But, you know, if you're over this age, then they allow in-service distributions. So you could potentially move the assets out at some point, even when you're still working there. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is, you know, an option. But something to think about, though, I don't want to throw another thing in there, but if you have concentrated stock in your 401k, Talk to an advisor first before selling it or before rolling anything because there are, you know, some options with respect to that stock. And when you say concentrated stock, it's usually the company that you work for allowed right. you to buy stock in the company 
uh, while you were an employee of that company. Exactly. And and it doesn't always mean just because it's in an IRA that there aren't some potential tax implications, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So, so there's there's options available to get maybe get it out of there as capital gain property instead of worrying your income. There you go. So but you have to do it before you take any money out. So um you know there's there's that option as well. And for that reason, uh you know, your your HR department might be able to help you, but it it's always best if you can't get the right answers, call an advisor. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of what we're here for. I will make one more uh, plug at uh, Hensler Financial. Our number is 770-429-9166. You can call anytime. You can ask for Melanie Wells. You can ask for Shauna Theriault. Uh, either one can help you with any of this stuff. I'm just the lunkhead that's on the radio, so don't ask for <laughs> me. Uh, I could help you all day if, if your question is about uh, what stock to pick, because that's kind of my forte, the analyst here. All right, so uh, that's going to end our show. But before we go, Sean, mark it up or down? Up. Melanie? Definitely up. There we go. You know me. I'm the broken record. Troy Harmon, always up. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.